Welcome into Locked On Phillies. I'm your host, Connor Thomas. Been talking baseball for years over 97.5 The Fanatic. And now with you here on Locked On Phillies. And for the first time, we have baseball to talk about. It's awesome. A lot of stuff has gone down since I last talked to you. The Phillies have made some big signings. The MLB is back. There's so much to get into. We're going to break down the biggest signing of all that came down earlier today. Kyle Schwarber's a Philly. I'll tell you how he slots into the lineup. Also, they made some additional signings, some additions to the bullpen, things like that. And we have our off-the-pole responses on who will make a bigger impact at the major league level. Mickey Moniak or Bryson Stott. All of that in a packed episode. It's going to be fun. We have baseball back. I cannot wait to get into it. I want to thank you for making Locked On Phillies your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. So much to get into. Let's get started. You are Locked On Phillies. Your daily Philadelphia Phillies podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right. So I told you on last Friday's episode, which I was recording on Thursday because I had a little trip planned. I had a bachelor party in New Orleans, made it back in one piece. The voice is uh, still a little hoarse because, uh, hey, it's New Orleans. What are you going to do? But as I told you on Friday, I time traveled a little bit into the future from Thursday. Told you the lockout was ending. Well, guess what? I was right. Who knew? I told you I was a time traveler. You guys didn't believe me, did you? I wouldn't lie to you. Come on. Let's see. Did he lie to you? All right. Anyway, the MLB lockout is done. The Players Association and the owners came to an agreement, and just like that, free agency opened up, and it's been an absolute frenzy. It seems like they're still going to get 162 games in. The plans are coming out currently to work that all out, but the Phillies went to work making some ancillary moves. But we'll get into that in a second. What they did today is the biggest thing yet. They had a couple signings already done, but earlier this morning it came out there were three big players that the Phillies had been reported as interested in. Nick Castellanos, the outstanding right fielder for the Cincinnati Reds, who was the NL, uh, NL MVP, NL right fielder in the All-Star game last year. There was Chris Bryant, who was a former MVP, you know, from his time with the Chicago Cubs. Last year, got traded to the Giants. He was available, still is available, actually, at the time I'm recording this. And there was Kyle Schwarber, also on that 2016 Cubs team that ended the streak. Big power hitter, an option to bring in to be a great bat and potentially even play a corner outfield spot because the Phillies need help there. Well, the Phillies got one of those three guys. Kyle Schwarber is now officially a Philadelphia Philly. Contract details looking like a four-year deal with a reported annual value of just under $20 million. So he's getting, I'd imagine, like 19 and change a year. Last year, Andrew McCutcheon, had, he got $19.5 million to play for the Phillies last year. Schwarber probably going to be right around that number over the course of the next four years. And, man, I love this signing. I saw some people complaining, oh, he's just a power hitter. He's going to strike out so much. Oh, he... Had a great year last year, but his baseline is more likely to what you used to see from him during his time in Chicago. Like, he's all right, but he wasn't what he showed last year. And there's two Kyle Schwarbers out there. It's like Schrodinger's power hitter. <laughs> and you open the box, and the cat could either be alive or dead. Well, here's the thing. Schwarber could either have had a great season last year and figured something out, or he could be having a once-in-a-lifetime season and be regressing. 
It's a tough call. No one really knows, but the Phillies felt confident enough to go out there and throw some money at him and make him probably their best power hitter, pure power hitter on this roster. And that might be a little bit unfair to Bryce Harper, but he does so much. Harper batted around 300 last year. Schwarber is not going to do that for you, but the on-base percentage is solid. Let's go through what some of his numbers were over last season when he had what was his best season in the major leagues. So last year, of course, he was a member of the Boston Red Sox up there. The Red Sox not really making all that much noise. So you, like they got hot at the start, cooled off at the end. So you may have missed what he did, but he put together a campaign in 2021. Let's look at it. 32 home runs with a 266 average. I'll take 266 if you're a power hitter. That's okay. I'm not worried about that average at all. Uh, over 100 hits, over 75 runs. He had 71 RBIs, which that number you'd like to see go up. More of a nature of the team he was with. I think with the Phillies, he'll have more RBI opportunities, especially where I see him slotting into the lineup. We'll talk about that in a second. But I also want to look at some of these other numbers. Some of the big things from last year, though. The biggest number that I take a peek at from his time in 2021 uh, with Boston. And he went to Boston, of course. He started with the Nationals last year. He finished out the season with Boston. Worth worth mentioning. Totally in 2021, though, even counting his time with uh, the Nationals, he had an OBP, 374, slugging 554, on-base plus slugging of 928. Almost 1,000 on that on-base plus slugging. Of course, that's going to be carried by his slugging percentage, being the power hitter that he is. But the dude also gets on base. How many times did he walk? Let's go ahead and take a look at this. Walked 64 times last year. He's cleared the 70 mark twice in his career, both in 2018 and 2019. So he's a guy that's going to get on base. Here's what I'm doing with Kyle Schwarber if I'm the Phillies in my ideal scenario. Right now, he's kind of got to play left because you don't have anybody else to put out there. I'm imagining something else will be worked out, whether it's making Moniak getting an opportunity in left field whether Odubel Herrera plays center and Matt Beerling actually plays left rather than platooning with him in center. We'll talk more about that when we talk about the Phillies re-signing Odubel Herrera in the next segment. I'll give you my thoughts on that. But right now, I think Kyle Schwarber is the best option just to straight up play left. If the Phillies bring in somebody else, hello, Nick Castellanos, we're still interested, or Chris Bryant still available out there. Versatile, can play the corner outfield spots, can play center field as well. If the Phillies bring in one of those guys, Schwarber moves perfectly into that designated hitter role. He's the ideal designated hitter. Uh, I would say he'd be the best in the division if uh, Nelson Cruz didn't come in and uh, join the Nationals. So I would have liked that. But he's going to fit well in either of those spots a little bit better DH-wise because he's not a strong defender. He doesn't move all that well. I still think he can play serviceably in left field, though, for two reasons. One, Citizens Bank Park, really, really small. There's not as much ground to cover, so it makes it a little bit easier. Anything that over your head is is over your head is basically out of the ballpark. You'll have that tough gap in the alley, but Odubel could still run pretty well in center. Um, if he does end up being their everyday center fielder, he'll cover some of that ground from Schwarber. And the other reason I think he can play strong left field is because he played it multiple times in his career. He's used to being out there. Like People don't give him enough credit for being – an average field. It's the shortest throw in the field, too, from the outfield. Like, I'm not worried about him playing left. Last year, all due respect to a guy who won an MVP in the American League with Pittsburgh, but Andrew McCutcheon's corpse was playing left field for the Phillies. Now he's going to be a Milwaukee Brewer 
where they're placing him just in the DH role. That's McCutcheon. So they don't even want him to play. That's who the Phillies had manning that position last year. So Schwarber can't be any worse, right? Like, I guess in theory he could, but I'm not worried about the defense. That's okay. The Phillies defense stinks anyway. There's a lot more issues to worry about there. You got to worry about Alec Bohm at third, Reese Hoskins at first. We'll cross the Kyle Schwarber bridge when we come to it. Now, ideally, there's another big move following this. The less than 20 million AAV over the four-year contract says to me that there's possibility for a Chris Bryant or a Nick Castellanos to go ahead and slot in. It's it's very real that they could still go out and get one of those guys or another ancillary piece, another one free agent that's still out there who's not one of the marquee names, but it's possible. The key is the Phillies went out and they spent the, they spent the money they needed to go ahead and get one of their top three guys and bring in I can't call him a superstar, but bring in a star player. We know Kyle Schwarber. We know the moonshots he hits. He's going to hit Matt Stairs type of bombs to right field at the bank. I can't wait to see it. I can't be more excited. The only way I could be is if they bring in one of these other guys, those other guys being Chris Bryant or Nick Castellanos. And we'll keep tuned. I'll really be going crazy if they bring in one of those guys in addition. But I think it was a great move by the Phillies, and it really protects Bryce Harper in the lineup. I like Kyle Schwarber to slot into the four hole. So for me right now, the top five in the lineup for the Phillies would be, I got Segura leading off. I like Gene Segura in the leadoff spot this year just because I don't trust Odubel Herrera to do that. And if it's not him, the only other option in my mind is Segura. Schwarber has led off at points. So don't be surprised if you see Joe Girardi put him in the leadoff role. But I like him back in the lineup better where he can protect Bryce Harper with his power. Uh, two, I'm sticking JT Ramuto in the two-hole. Gaps hitter. He's a guy that hits the alleys well, doesn't get enough credit for that, especially as a catcher. And I think he could be a good set-the-table guy as well. Three, of course, Bryce Harper. Lock it in every single day. And then four, I mean, who'd you rather have in the four-hole? Reese Hoskins, who has the ability to be, to, to be that great power hitter, but is streaky and has drop-off sometimes. And Kyle Schwarber's streaky too, don't get me wrong, but he's a more proven power hitter in the major leagues. I'm putting Schwarber at four. I'm putting Hoskins at five. Let's ride. I'm perfectly fine with that. And that top five I'll put up against just about any other lineup in the National League. Now, the problem is the next four guys, not great yet, and they'll have to work that out. But I want Schwarber behind Harper so that when those guys get on, uh, like he's got great RBI opportunities, and he can just lose the ball. You can't walk him 70 times a year when you're batting behind Bryce Harper. Who's going to get walked, what, like 90 times a year? So 100 times a year? Yeah, that's you're not going to do that. It's a great position for Schwarber. He slots into the lineup well, and adding another dangerous bat makes the other guys around him better. And Reese Hoskins in the five-hole? Man, can you imagine if he's seeing five-hole pitches instead of like two or four like he was seeing these past couple seasons? It takes the pressure off him too. It's a great signing for the Phillies. I love it. In theory, hopefully it works out and hopefully he plays up to the level he played this past year when he was with Washington and later with Boston. Love it. But there were some additional moves too that I didn't love as much that happened before the Kyle Schwarber trade. We'll talk trade. Signing. We'll talk about that in just a second. And what I feel about the three other guys that the Phillies have signed so far, this free agency, not as big of a fan. All right. Are you ready to discover your purpose and leave an impact wherever you go in life? 
Well, I want you to check out Mission Possible, written and read by New York Times bestselling author and athlete Tim Tebow. The way I always liken this, imagine the Tim Tebow post-game speech at the University of Florida where he said nobody's going to work harder. That type of motivation, that type of purpose, you can find that in this book. It's awesome. So it encourages you to find your inspiration, pursue your purpose, and create a life for yourself that counts. So if you want to ignite a new spark in your life, and who doesn't, through this new inspirational listen, go ahead and check out Mission Possible by Tim Tebow. It's available everywhere. Audiobooks are sold. Okay, like I said, Kyle Schwarber, not the only signing. It's the biggest profile one, obviously, but it's not the only signing the Phillies have made. They've added, well, added two players and brought back one player who we're unfortunately all too familiar with. We'll get to him. Speaking of familiar, that's terrible. That's terrible. You guys should boo me for that one. But Juris Familia was the Phillies' first signing in free agency. You remember, of course, Juris Familia from all the times facing the Phillies as a member of the New York Mets. So Familia, a lot of people not happy with. Part of it, I think there's a bias here. When you sign a player from the New York Mets, who are a hated rival of the Phillies, I think a lot of people are going to be so used to saying he stinks for the past what, how long has he been in the league? 10 years, the past decade? And we've said it for 10 years. It's hard to turn around and be like, man, okay, he's going to be good for us. And also, when you look at the numbers, they don't really jump out off the page. 394 ERA last year in just under 60 innings pitched. Uh, 1416 whip, that's got to get down. That's not going to work. But he's a guy that's had closing experience. He will not be the closer in Philly. Right now, it looks like that'll be Corey Knable. But Having that option to slot in another guy is fine. He's a little bit of an insurance policy on that. The thing for me is this was a young bullpen before they started signing people in free agency. Now you go out and you add a guy who's been there. He's been sub four in the ERA the past two seasons. He had his best season in 2018 when he had a 3 one He even before he got – so he went to Oakland, got moved to Oakland, Prior, after being with the Mets for the start of the year. But with just the Mets, he had a 2.88 ERA. That's why he got moved. He had the opportunity to get traded because of the season he put together. Does he still have that in the tank? Or does he look more like 2019 Jarvis Familia, who had a 5.19 ERA? Uh, oh, I actually undersold a 5.7 ERA. I don't know what I was reading there. My eyes are open. But um, is that more him? Is he more the 5.7 guy? Or does he still have another sub-4 ERA season in the tank? He's not going to be the reliever of the year, not remotely close. He may not be in the top three guys out of the pen for the Phillies this year, but he's a guy that's reliable-ish. He's a veteran who knows what he's doing, and sometimes you just got to be able to give the ball to a guy who's been in the majors for 10 years. That's what that signing was. He got one year, $6 million, not going to break the bank, short contract. One-year deals in baseball are never a bad thing. You can always move on from it, no cap. No problem with that whatsoever. The Phillies made another bullpen signing. The funny thing they did, exact same deal. One year, $6 million, and a somewhat similar type of pitcher. Not in the style, but in where they are in their career. The Phillies also signed Brad Hand, who last year was with the, he was with the New York Mets for a little bit. He was with the Toronto Blue Jays for a little bit. He was with the Washington Nationals for a little bit. He got bounced around. He started last year really, really hot, and then cooled off and backed off uh, a little bit towards the end of 
his uh, his 2021 season. So a lot of people are like, okay, is he the guy that you saw with the 359 ERA in Washington and the 27 ERA in New York with the Mets? Or is he that guy in Toronto that posted a 727? It was a weird season for Brad Hand. And he's had a couple of weird seasons recently. He's an 11-year vet, so he's been in the league for a while. It's another guy where the biggest upside of having a Brad Hand on this roster is looking at him and saying, okay, you've been doing this for over a decade. I can hand you the ball, and I know you're going to go out there and at least look like you belong at the major league level. Are you going to win awards as a major league relief pitcher? No. He's not. I'm telling you right now, Brad Hand is not winning any awards for like best reliever in the National League. No fireman awards for Brad Hand. But he's a guy that did not just get called up and got on a bus from Lehigh. He's pitched in the majors for years, and he'll probably just get you a sub-4 ERA and settle in and take care of some innings, have some mistakes. But the key to this bullpen is be better. The Phillies have been close the past two years with bullpens that have been absolute garbage. Now you go out and you add a couple sure, sure-er. See, I struggle to call them sure because they're not on most MLB teams. But on the Phillies, comparatively to last year's pen, I like both of those additions, him and Familia. I'm fine with it. We'll see how they play out. You add them to a bullpen that's already solid compared to last year's. Here's the one I've got an issue with. The Phillies went and re-signed Odubel Herrera to play center field for them. It sounds like he's going to platoon with Matt Deerling, who is a prospect. Oh, real quick, before I get into the Odubel Herrera thing, I want to talk to you about locked on MLB prospects because Matt Deerling just reminded me about the prospects. So I want you to thank, uh, I want you to thank, no, I want to thank you for making locked on Phillies your first listen every day. But locked on MLB prospects, host Lindsey Crosby is a prospect encyclopedia. He's awesome. We had the crossover where we talked about Matt Beerling, and he's going deep on the MLB stars of tomorrow across baseball. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. You can check out that and check out our crossover where we talk about Beerling and what he could bring this year. But to bring back Oduber Herrera, who is already in a terrible spot with the fan base because of his issues with domestic violence, the suspension that he served that cost him uh, over a season's worth of baseball. The fact that he was back at all last year is crazy. The fact that they resigned him is even crazier. And I know he's not getting much. It's one year, $1.75 million. And I said, I just said with Brad Hand and Juris Familia, there's no bad one-year contracts in baseball where it, well, if there is, it's this one. He's just, he's an all right center fielder. He's not moving the needle too much. He can be serviceable. He can be like 16 out of the 30 starting fielders or 17 or something. And that's at his peak. At his bottom, he could be one of the worst center fielders in baseball because he's streaky and he doesn't necessarily play the game in the smartest way always. You couple that with the fan base reaction and what that shows your fan base as far as bringing this player back in again. Like people were throwing a party when he was uh, released by the Phillies and now he's back. It's just a head-scratching move. and one It's one that says, hey, we're comfortable with being in not an ideal spot in center field like we were all of last year. Without the addition of Kyle Schwarber, it looked worse. It looked like they were settling. It looked like a nonsensical move for a team that's trying to compete this year when there's other options out there that you could go and pay for. Mind you, pay a premium. But you could go and get Chris Bryant to play center field and throw money at him if he's willing to come here. The Odubel thing felt like a concession 
a give up type of move, a, hey, this guy's already been here. Let's give him uh, a cheap contract and just fill that spot and we'll deal with it. I don't love deal with it moves. I never do. I think especially when you're a big market team like the Phillies, you should go out and try and do your absolute best at every position. Odubel Herrera is not the best option at center field, but he's the option they went with. And if that smaller contract allows you to sign guys like Kyle Schwarber and maybe a Nick Castellanos or a Chris Bryant later in free agency, I can't argue with that. I just didn't love the signing in a vacuum. I don't love the player both on and off the field. That's just personally off the field. He's going to stay in that mindset for everybody forever, but on the field, Maybe he could change my mind this year and put together a better season batting later in the lineup because the top half of this lineup is so potent. That's where I stand on the Odubel Herrera signing. Brad Hand, Juris Familia, and of course, like we talked about earlier, Kyle Schwarber, now all Philadelphia Phillies. It's a solid free agency so far. I'm giving them like a B minus so far. That can jump all the way up to an A if they sign another big name guy. So I'll keep you posted on all of the latest news on free agency. It's so nice to have baseball to talk about, isn't it guys? Not hearing us rank stuff and actually hearing me talk about guys that are joining the Phillies this year and what they're going to do when baseball gets started. Well, speaking of what guys are going to do when baseball gets started, our off the pole segment, it really dives into that with two young players and who's going to make more of an impact at the major league level this year. We'll get into that on the other side as we wrap up. I do want to tell you about Rock Auto, though. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. And with the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain to carry everything you need. They just can't do it. There's not enough warehouse space in the world to carry all the parts that you need. So where do you got to go? You got to go check out rockauto.com. They're awesome. They're online, so it's way more convenient. So not only do you save time, but you also save money when you use Rock Auto. They have stuff for 30%, 50%, times even 100% less than what you're paying for other places. I guess 100% less would be free. No, you're paying 100% more when you go to these other places. Sorry, I'm not a math guy. I apologize, Rock Auto. Their deals are so good, I can't even comprehend them. They're breaking my brain over here. They're a family business. They've been serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. They're awesome. And they're reliably low prices for every single customer. You know, sometimes some guy will walk into the shop down the street and they'll be, oh, Billy's old friend, so he'll get a better discount and cheaper prices and then they'll mark it up on you. No, that's crazy. Go to Rock Auto. Everything's set there. They're a very established business. They're awesome. And they have everything you need for your car, your truck, all the repairs. Any part you could ever imagine, you've got it. So I want you to go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. And make sure you write lock on in there. How did you hear about us, Fox? So they know that I sent you in. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Rock Auto. Finally today, we've got our off the pole segment. So it was a little bit late. We didn't have a Monday or Tuesday episode this week. So I put it out on Monday. Had a long weekend. Sorry about that. But I love your responses. I got a good number of responses on this one from you guys. Appreciate you who responded to the poll. If you want to, it's at LO underscore Phillies, Locked on Phillies on Twitter. You can go ahead and find this every single weekend or sometimes Monday. But we'll always put it out. It'll be weekly where we have an interesting poll that you can respond to about where 
the Philly stand on certain issues. Normally, it's one for one. So pitting one player against another. And this week, it was a very simple one. Who do you think is going to make more of an impact at the major league level between these two players in 2022? And your two options were Mickey Moniak and Bryson Stott, of course. Bryson Stott, he's the guy that everyone's been looking at as the Phillies' biggest call-up this year. He could potentially take over the shortstop role at some point in 2022. Mickey Moniak, a former number one overall selection by the Phillies, who's never really made hay at the major league level. Which one of these guys is going to be the better, not the better fit? And it's interesting because a lot of people read this as which one of these guys is the better player. Well, the poll was... Which one of these guys is going to make more of an impact at the major league level, at the major league level? Those are some other keywords for you in 2022. So let me pull up the uh, poll here and what we ended up getting for your responses. It was a landslide in the direction of one player. And I think if you follow the Phillies, you can figure out exactly who that was. So the poll finished with 85% of responses coming in for Bryson Stott. Only 15% of you voted Mickey Moniak as a more likely to make the bigger impact at the major league level. And at a baseline, I get that. Bryson Stott probably has significant upside compared to Mickey Moniak. Moniak just hasn't ever progressed to the level of being the number one overall selection that the Phillies used on him. Here's where I'm arguing because we got a comment from, uh, let me go ahead and give this guy his due. Uh, the comment is from, and now Twitter's trying to give me an update, um, Kale Ahern, who works over at Fox 43. He uh, said, to those who vote Moniac, I want to know why. Well, Kale, here's why I think that people would have voted for Mickey Moniac, and this would be my argument on his behalf. If the Phillies change something, do something weird in the outfield where they do a platoon in center and Mickey Moniac is part of that, if some way he ends up being a part of the major league roster from opening day, it could simply be a thing of more time. Let's say they want to play Moniac in left and they want to play Schwarber at DH. Well, Moniac's going to start from opening day. And he's going to have significantly more time up at the major league level than what Bryson Stott will probably end 22 with. Unless Bryson Stott makes the opening day roster, which we'll see. We'll get to talk about some of that coming up as the rosters go through uh, spring training and teams figure out who's going to be on their opening day roster and in their opening day lineup. The only argument for Mickey Moniak, I think, is longevity and just more opportunities at the major league level. If he plays... 100 games and Bryce Stott plays 60, it's very possible that Moniak, even with lesser numbers, can make more of an impact at the major league level. But I agree with you. That was me playing devil's advocate. I agree. I think Bryce Stott is going to make a significant impact for the Phillies at the major league level. Our friends over at Bet Online sent out some odds on the NL Rookie of the Year uh, and who could potentially win that. Well, Bryce Stott had the third best odds in the entire National League to take home that award. So that says he's probably going to make a pretty big impact when he gets his opportunity at the major league level. It's something to look forward to if you're Phillies fans, because we haven't had a prospect really come up and bust the door down since Alec Boehm. He regressed. So having this guy to come up and have these high rookie of the year odds, it's a great thing. So last time we did the off the pole, I disagreed with where you were at. You guys want to Reese Hoskins to be the DH. I wanted out Boehm. Well, this one I agree. Bryson Stock going to make more of an impact at the major league level than Mickey Moniak. Okay, so that's all we've got as far as uh, content for today. Uh, so appreciate you guys sticking with us. And I'll tell you in just a second what we have coming up in our next episode.
So tomorrow, what we're going to talk about is where the Phillies go from here, what the biggest storylines are. We're going to have a couple of them. We'll have our stepping off segment like we normally do on Wednesdays, push to Thursday because this week is a little bit accelerated. I also have a great announcement for you about the number of Locked on Phillies episodes that you're going to be getting weekly. More content, more fun. We'll talk about that tomorrow, and uh, we'll have a little bit of a look at uh, our stepping off segment, which is a fun step away from baseball. I got something great planned for you. So I want to thank you again for making Locked on Phillies your first listen every day. Now make your second listen Locked on MLB. Paul Francis Sullivan, make sure you call him Sully. He brings you his unique perspective on the major leagues past and present. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. And now we actually have baseball to talk about. So go check out Sully and all his work over there at Locked on MLB. And make sure you check out us when I put out this next episode on Thursday. Going to have great content now that baseball is back and running. Cannot wait to continue to look at the shaping of the 2022 Phillies with you. I will talk to you all tomorrow.